The much-touted 60-40 portfolio is having its worst year in decades. Are there better alternatives? Plus, year-end tax loss strategies and how it can help you to cut your tax bill and clean up your investment portfolio. Lance McGray with Advisors Asset Management joins me right after this. Hello, I'm Stephanie Stanton with ETF Guide. Thank you for joining us. If it is your first time watching, hit the subscribe button and post your comments below. We would love to hear from you. All right, well, we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's show. How can you generate high income without taking high risk? And what's behind the upswing in foreign stocks and will it last? Here to talk with us about that and much more is Lance McGray with Advisors Asset Management. Hi, Lance. It is so great to have you with us. Hi, Stephanie. It's great to see you. All right. So the trusted 60-40 investing strategy just had its worst year in generations. That was a recent headline from the Wall Street Journal. Why do you think investors and advisors are rethinking the 60-40 mix and are there better alternatives? Uh, you're absolutely correct. The traditional 60-40 strategy, right, that so many of us are accustomed to and have sort of, you know, grown up with, if you will, lost 17% in 2022. As you mentioned, it was its worst performing calendar year um, in a long time, specifically nearly 90 years. Um, so the question really becomes, you know, why did this happen? And quite honestly, the, the, the answer is rather simple. Higher interest rates and lingering inflation hurt both stocks and bonds, right? And if you think about the theory behind the traditional 60-40 portfolio, it's really tied to the tendency that bonds generally rise when stocks fall, right? Um, so when that relationship between stocks and bonds is present, 60-40 strategy, historically, it's performed rather well. Unfortunately, um, this isn't always the case, right? And that was what happened in 2022, right? During 2022, the S&P 500 was down 18% and the U.S. aggregate bond index, right, the broad-based benchmark that most people use for fixed income allocations was down double digits as well, right? So it's easy to see why this strategy really, really struggled. So what do we do, right? With the higher for longer theme still intact, here at AAM, we think it's in the best interest of investors to get more granular, right? To take that 60 and 40, and if you want the 60-40 framework, that's fine, but get more granular within that 60% allocation of, of, of equities and the 40% allocation to fixed income, right? So some of the things that we like within equities, we're favoring value over growth, and more specifically, we're focusing on high-quality companies, right? Those companies that have durable business models. We think that that positioning is really going to be beneficial as we anticipate slower economic growth in the very near future. Now, on the flip side, on that 40%, we fully expect volatility levels to remain elevated, right? And on the fixed income side, it's very much the same theme. We're looking at quality. We're looking at income. Um, we think active management is really key as it's easier to balance credit, quality, and other factors like duration risk within that portfolio. Um, and lastly, I'll just say there's a lot of investors, a lot of advisors that are getting more active in the alt space, right? 
We're moving away from the traditional 60-40 and getting into different areas of asset allocation, which potentially could help diversification when both stocks and bonds struggle like they did in 2022. Yeah, you mentioned active management. You know, the boom in actively managed funds has lifted ETFs to a record-breaking year in terms of new funds launched and assets gathered. Among this group of active newcomers is the AAM Ball & Gainer Small Mid-Cap Income Growth ETF. That ticker symbol is SMIG SMIG. Now, although smaller stocks have been a little bit out of favor, SMIG has still delivered impressive results versus its small cap peers. So tell us more about that. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think this is a major trend that uh, most people in the industry are watching, right? The, I, I, you know, I'm a little biased here as somebody that's been in the ETF industry for 15 plus years, but I think there's a lot of innovation in the world of ETFs. And one of the areas that I really do think is going to bring the ETF industry to sort of that next growth phase is actively managed ETFs. And as you mentioned, in 2023, Um, We've already seen 309 actively managed ETFs come to market um, in this calendar year. Um, We've already set the record on an annual basis, right, which was set back in 2021. I think it was 200. um, I think it was uh, 305. So we're just over that and we're only in only in November. Um, This is important for a number of reasons. Um, Number one, it's going to provide that next phase of growth for the ETF industry. But more importantly, This trend has the potential to be extremely beneficial for the end user, for the end investor, as they're going to have so many more tools for them to help navigate challenging times like we have today, right? And I I think in this type of environment, um, you know, obviously we've had some uh, recent strengths and some economic data that has recently come out, but I I think as a whole, the economy is, is sort of, Um, You know, we're seeing increasingly fragile footing uh, moving forward um, between higher interest rates and inflation and geopolitical tensions and yada, 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 um, to have more options, to have flexible, active management paired with a tax-efficient, transparent, low-cost ETF wrapper, it makes a lot of sense. And um, as you mentioned, we did launch, AAM did launch our first actively managed ETF about two years ago. Um, the ticker is SMIG. It's a small and income, um, a small and mid cap income growth stock portfolio that really focuses on obviously small and mid caps and those that grow their dividends over time. And that's you know for us, it's really been a poster child. I think for us and other active managers, it's a 100% transparent, actively managed ETF. The ETF's assets were up over $300 million in, in two short years. Um, and quite honestly, it's outperformed the benchmark since inception, and it's done so with much less volatility. So again, when you're pairing these active managers, sound active managers, mind you, with the benefits of the ETF wrapper, it's a win-win for everybody. And at the end of the day, um, I think a lot of the ETF issuers are looking to provide the best possible solutions to the end user. And I think that's certainly going to be a next big phase for the ETF industry. Yeah, congrats on the success of SMIG, by the way. Um, All right, dividends. Let's talk about this. Value investing in dividend payers has been a winning strategy. You know, a lot of people looking for maybe those safe havens. In the foreign equity market, AAM has two ETFs targeting this area. The ticker symbols for those are DMDV and EEMD, which have both delivered strong results relative to popular benchmarks. So why have these ETF strategies worked and what is the outlook? 
Yeah, these, these two products, DMDV and EMD, are um, part of our high dividend value suite. And these, these products were some of the first products that we launched here at Advisors Asset Management to really be geared around dividend investing and, and marrying the two benefits of high dividend investing and dividend growth and dividend sustainability. And these three ETFs, they bring it all into one portfolio. Um, as you mentioned, they have performed exceptionally well. Uh, in fact, over the three-year ending, as of uh, October 31st, EEMD outperformed its broad-based benchmark by over 33% over that three-year time frame. So it has performed exceptionally well. Thank you. Um, you know, and despite the performance, relative performance, short-term performance, we feel these portfolios, you know, all three of these solutions are going to be geared up extremely well for the type of environment that we find ourselves into um, today. Um, not only from a performance perspective, but also front and center on a lot of people's mind right now is risk mitigation, right? Um, so I think um, these products are positioned exceptionally well. First and foremost, as you probably assume, these are value strategies. Some would even say they're deep value strategies. And I mention that because I think one of the areas, as I mentioned to on the equity side, is we're favoring value over growth. Um, you know, the, the cheapness of value versus that of its higher duration growth-oriented portfolios is pretty much at all-time highs. And for that reason, we see a very attractive entry point into value. And at the very least, it's some sort of insurance policy against those growth-oriented portfolios that so many people are overweight in right now. Um, the other, the second talking point on, on these products um, is really about the security and selection and, and waiting scheme. Uh, not only in the domestic space, but a lot of folks are talking about, you know, the magnificent, magnificent seven in the U.S. domestic space um, and the concentration risk that these broad-based beta solutions are offering. Um, but the fact of the matter is this concentration risk is also prevalent in international and emerging markets as well. Uh, if you look at the EM index, one of the broadest, most well-tracked EM indices out there, um, the six largest holdings accounts for 20% of the portfolio. So our products, they really focus on finding high dividend payers that have high cash flow so they can maintain those. Um, but we're really focused on, on um, diversification as well, and that's what separates us apart. Um, we select five securities from each gig sector that has the highest combination of highest free cash flow yield and highest dividend yield. So again, we're not going to get that concentration risk. We're not going to be making those sector bets. And those, those two factors right there have been very beneficial um, for our high dividend value products in the past, and we think they're going to be a real driving force going forward. All right, one final question before you take off. As 2023 winds down, investors and advisors are looking for opportunities to reduce the tax bite and to clean up their portfolios. You know, for example, this year's underperformance of certain areas like bonds and real estate might make them good tax loss harvesting candidates. What should investors be looking at and how can ETFs help with tax loss harvesting? Well, I'll preface this by saying I'm certainly not a tax professional. So for anybody out there, please, uh, please talk to your tax professional about tax loss harvesting and the benefits of that. But what I will say is that we speak to a lot of financial advisors and, you know, as we head into uh, Q4 and as we start to think about 2024, if you have the ability to reposition your portfolio, number one, to help mitigate some of the risks that we're facing in the market, you know, whether we're talking about overcoming persistent inflation fears or higher interest rates, 
um, or trying to mitigate um, our risk to higher market volatility or mitigating impacts of a slower, uh, slowing economy, right? If we can reposition our portfolios to better address those concerns and at the same time realize some capital losses to carry forward, it makes a lot of sense from my standpoint. So we're seeing a lot of that. Um, one area that we specifically see this in, um, and believe it or not, is those investors that are active in the preferred stock space. Right, a lot of investors, there's about $30 billion in the ETF space tied to preferred stocks. Lots of investors enjoy the preferred stocks or utilize preferreds within their portfolio for a number of reasons, mainly income generation, tax, tax efficient income um, and diversification. Unfortunately, as we've seen interest rates rise, many investors don't realize the duration risk or interest rate risk that many of these preferred stock portfolios carry. And for that reason, a lot of them are underwater. Here at AAM, we have PFLD, which is the first and only low duration preferred ETF. So again, this is a solution that's very, very attractive as people are thinking about repositioning their portfolio. With PFLD, you get essentially the same benefits of the preferred asset class. You get the tax efficient income, the high levels of income, the diversification. But with PFLD, you get pretty much anywhere, depending on what products you're looking at, a 50 to 70% reduction in duration risk or interest rate risk. And that could be very, very valuable for investors to, to help them reach their goals in this, this extremely challenging market, while at the same time, potentially realizing losses in other areas of the portfolio. So um, certainly going on, um, but again, yes, not a, not a tax professional. Um, so seek professional tax services on that front. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. Talk to your tax advisor. Lance McGray, thank you so much. It was really great catching up with you, learning more about these very important topics, and we really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, Stephanie. It's always great being with you. And to check out the ETF lineup at Advisors Asset Management, you can go to aamlive.com. The link is posted in the description section below. Be sure to subscribe to ETF Guide TV. Tell us how you've been enjoying our timely programs like this one, along with ETF Battles and the many others. You can also find us on Twitter at ETF Guide. I'm Stephanie Stanton. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you soon.